the ability to storytell and connect one-on-one with your guests that no matter how small of a following, no matter how few of a, a small of a community, that impact can be so huge for your brand. You can start to make waves that resonate out outside of that community. You're creating advocates as opposed to just fans, you know, likes are great. Comments are great, but true advocacy, um, that's what you want to harness around that community and showing that you care and that you are involved with them and that you are one of them. You are not just speaking at them. Um, you can't overlook that. Well, Adam, that was the the answer to the last question we asked all the guests. So uh, as you pointed out, we're, we're eating our dessert first on this episode of the Social Pros Podcast. But boy, what a, what a great one. Uh, Marissa is super smart and doing some great things there at Cinnabon. Really, too. And uh, yeah, it's very apropos. We're going to eat dessert first uh, with our show with, uh, with Cinnabon. It is. And, and, and Cinnabon is kind of one of those ubiquitous brands that, that, that you think about, you smell it before you see it. Um, and <laughs> her thoughts and opinions on user-generated content, how they're tracking uh, efficacy of their social media, both paid and organic as well as working in a world of franchisers and in a world where there's multiple brands kind of inside of their parent company. Really interesting stuff this week. Yeah, a good one. Yeah, you mentioned the franchise angle. That's really interesting. And also, uh, as she pointed out a couple of times in this episode, you know, Cinnabon is typically not exclusively, but often found in malls, right? So that's a whole other dynamic, right? You're not going right to Cinnabon. You're going to a mall that Cinnabon is located, and that's a whole other wrinkle. So we covered a lot of ground in this episode. Uh, it's really interesting, and especially for those of you on uh, consumer product side, you're going to love this one. It is Marissa Sharpless, who's the Senior Manager for Social Media at Cinnabon this week on Social Pros. Uh, before we hear the rest of the story from Marissa, quick acknowledgement of our great sponsors here on the podcast, Adams Organization, Salesforce, Marketing Cloud, longtime uh, proponent of the show. They have a terrific ebook out called uh, The State of Marketing Report, where they interviewed 4,100 marketers from all around the world, which is a heck of a data set. And it's the fifth edition of the report, actually, and asked them about all the trends and things that matter you can find in this report. The impact of customer experience on marketing, super important. We talk about that with Marissa here in a moment, uh, how the role of social media is changing, also something that Marissa touches on, and how critical AI is in 2019. We've had a lot of AI conversations here on the show in the last few weeks. Download the report. won't cost you a thing. Go to bit.ly slash says. That's bit.ly slash J-A-Y-S-A-Y-S, all lowercase. It's the State of Marketing Report from Salesforce Marketing Club. Also this week, this very program is brought to you by our pals at Emma, fantastic email marketing platform that helps you connect with your audience and grow lasting relationships. Uh, Marissa talks a lot about lasting relationships this week. They offer really intuitive tools to build out your emails and, and automation sequences, powerful segmentation and reporting as well. Also, they've got an award-winning support and professional services team. So look, you know, the trend in software these days is to kind of DIY it and, and uh, let robots do it. But Emma's a big believer in having real human beings on the phone who can walk you through stuff. And I do appreciate that for sure. You can learn more and request a demo at myemma.com. Slash J is awesome, which is the uh, the promo code that uh, I did not I did not create, but it is what it is. MyEmma.com slash J is awesome. Go check it out, won't you? They'll appreciate it. So will Adam and myself. Let's get right into it. Hey, Jay, can, I, can I ask you something about yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Adam. You know, we've been talking several months about the J is awesome yes. uh, URL, and I haven't yeah. seen you go out of your way to change it. 
It's not that I couldn't change it. It's just that um, there's a whole team at Convince and Converge that manages these things. And I don't want to disrupt the workflow. But now that you've surfaced it, I'll have to change it to Jay is adequate. Uh, We'll be next next week on the show. Let's hear all about cinnamon rolls, ladies and gentlemen. Cinnabon, the official uh, cinnamon roll of the Social Pros podcast. You're going to like it. Here we go. Marissa, Sharpless, queen of all things cinnamon roll. Welcome to the Social Pros podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. So you are uh, a former reality TV star, uh, and and from there to to leading social and public relations for the world's best known cinnamon bun brand, Cinnabun, must be quite a journey. So please take us on a walk down your timeline and explain to us how this happened. I would use the term star very lightly. Maybe those, you know, <laughs> like the, the neon glow in the dark stars you used to put on your ceiling as a child. Maybe, maybe that. You were a prominent part. Uh, of The Bachelor uh, on on that television show and unfortunately did not get uh, all the roses. Uh, The fix was in, I think. Uh, But yes, you you have done a lot of TV in your background and now here you are in the Cinnamon Bun game. Yeah, so I mean, my uh, my career started off in the sports production area. I had a degree in uh, broadcast journalism. So that was kind of where I was seeing my career go. But as life happens, it took me down a path of working more in uh, with our with the publicity team with a regional sports agency or with a regional sports network at the time. Uh, they were looking to embark in social media. And at that point, they had no idea what they were doing. And so they looked to the youngest person in the room who was able to use social media. And they said, hey, you, you were bringing you in, you're, you're helping us with this. And at that point, it was just you put up a page and you start creating content. And so I was leading that charge with the head of PR at the time, which um, dovetailed me into going into PR for Walt Disney World Resort and their sports complex there. And they at the same time, they were also looking for someone to spearhead their social platform as Disney was starting to dip their toes into social. And so I was handling PR and social for Walt Disney World Resort on the sports side. And then the social media team stole me over and I went full-blown, full force as a community manager for uh, one of their platforms uh, as a representative for Walt Disney World Resort. And that led me to moving to Atlanta where I dove more into entertainment PR and uh, kept going down that PR road for about seven years and then landed over at Focus Brands, which is the parent company for um, Cinnabon, as well as many other delicious food brands. And um, as I've spent my time here, we've kind of morphed our roles here. We we decided to launch a uh, combined role that tackled both PR and social media. We really wanted to try and bring those two naturally together as they are so integrated already. We wanted to see what it looked like if one person was at the forefront of that and if it helped us be more integrated and kind of break down those walls and barriers between different departments. And so with my background being experienced in both PR and social, I was the one that they said, all right, let's, uh, let's test this out. Let's see how it, how it goes. And so that's how I've uh, arrived at Cinnabon. I've been with the brand for um, just over a year and everything is, is going very well, very tasty. <laughs> 
Is there a similar role at the other focus brands, which include Auntie Anne's Pretzels, a, a big airport favorite, of course, uh, Moe's, the Mexican food chain, and McAllister's, the deli, among others. So, so is there a PR and social combo person in each of those brands? Are they trying to sort of replicate that structure uh, across all the, the brands? We're, we are in a couple of the brands. So Annie Ann's actually has a com- combo PR and digital lead. Um, they have a separate social media uh, lead. And then Carvel Ice Cream, if you're familiar, uh, they also have a combined PR and social role. Our restaurant brands, so Moe's, McAllister's, and Schlotzky's all have individual PR and social teams. So we're, we're giving it a go with some of our brands and seeing how it works. Um, oh, and forgive me, our, our sister brand Jamba Juice also has a combined PR and social role. So we're, we're trying it with some of us and seeing how it goes. And so far, so good. Because all the brands are in uh, food at, at some level, either restaurants or, uh, or restaurant slash kiosk, do you do sort of center of excellence type things and, and get your counterparts together from Jamba Juice and, and, and Moe's and kind of talk about common, uh, common issues and challenges? Yeah, so when I first joined Focus Brands, uh, it was we did have a center of excellence. So PR and social sat outside of the brands, and we supported multiple brands at that point. So when I came in, I was handling PR for McAllister's Deli, as well as all Focus Brands from a business development standpoint. And we actually, when uh, we broke out of the center of excellence, and that's when we individually went back to the brands and that's when we started this dual role opportunity. So um, with the dual role came going back into the brands, but we still have shared services within our creative department. So I have a creative who is uh, in our content kitchen, as we like to call it. He is our storyteller and he is dedicated to creating all of our social content for Cinnabon as well as another, as, a, as well as another brand for us. So yes, we started off in that, sh- in that shared center of excellence structure. And as we've um, kind of been playing around with how we all support and what's best for the brands we're currently sitting back within the brands given that your background originally was in broadcast journalism do you find it helpful now that so much of what we do in social media has become either rich visuals or or even video do you feel like that that background is uh, is useful or perhaps more so than you would have thought it would have been It's incredibly helpful. It's helped me not only in the social space and with creating content, but also with PR. I've been able to kind of speak the language of our creative team. I know what to expect when they're going into a shoot. I know how to help relay that to them. I know how to help relay how we're putting a story together. Um, You know, it's now it's just in a shorter form. So it's kind of challenging me in regards to how are we telling this in a 10 second, 15 second, 30 second spot, as opposed to maybe a minute and a half, two minute, uh, you know, TV slot. So um, it's, yes, it's been immensely helpful to be able to really work hand in hand with our creatives um, as well as just figure out how I naturally think in a storytelling way. So this new version of storytelling on social is kind of how I've always thought. So um, it's been, it's been incredibly easy to transition into creating that social content. And Marissa, I think that's one of the things that the Cinnabon and, and some of the other uh, brands that, that your, your team manages does so well. Um, it, it is around, around the story and kind of the emotional side of, of what you're doing. I think another piece that, I, that, that you do well, and I'm interested to hear your, your, your thoughts about it, uh, because I think it's relevant to a lot of our listeners that may also be in a franchisee franchise or type of relationship, is how do you deal with the individual franchise owners? And I think this is something that's important. I think when, when we first saw, saw franchisees kind of get into social, every single restaurant had their own Twitter and, and, uh, and Facebook pages, and then there was a 
reduction, and then there was some kind of more command and control. I'm curious how you manage those relationships, not just with your consumers, the people who enjoy Cinnabon every day, but also your kind of customers who are those franchise owners. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely unique with with Cinnabon specifically when we look at how we handle that franchisee social relationship. Um, you know, at Cinnabon, or when we talk about storytelling. It is incredibly easy for us because we have such a passionate fan base who likes to communicate and engage with us. So they they give us those amazing stories. They tell us exactly what our brand means to them. And I know how incredibly we, lucky we are to have such a passionate fan base. So in regards to that relationship with our community, they are just so passionate and love having that one-to-one relationship with us that it makes it fun and easy and it keeps the social in social media. It, it, it's not just placing ads for us. So that's, that's one benefit that we have. But when it comes to the franchisees, we actually um, choose to have everything managed through our national pages. So, um, you know, for, for better or for worse, we're still trying to figure out exactly if it, you know, is, does have a negative impact on any local businesses, if they aren't having these local, local, local pages, but we do a lot of work to make sure that all of our content um, is supporting them on a local level. So we're doing, you know, we have, digital buys we have our social buys that are all targeted around each of our bakeries it takes the weight off of them having to manage a page and you know you'll hear from a lot of franchisees i I can do it i can have my my manager he'll take pictures while they're working during the day they'll post them it's we can run the pages it's totally fine Um, but when you look at the amount of engagement that comes through on a brand like Cinnabon. It's not just people telling you that they love you and they wish they had a cinnamon roll. You're getting guest relations issues as well. So you're having to deal with that customer care. And I don't think uh, a lot of franchisees understand how much comes through social nowadays. Uh, it is it is a big chunk of what we do when it comes down to community engagement. We have to always think of the guest relations piece. And so it, it takes a lot of conversations with our franchisees to help them understand what it means to create content, what it means to manage those pages and manage that content, and try and funnel them to specifically just dealing with any of the um, standard location pages where general reviews might be left. Um, so the Yelps of the world, uh, you know, focus in on owning those pages and handling that those comments there we will handle the social content creation and manage from a national level making sure that the people around your bakery know you're there know uh, the amazing treats they can get and drive traffic to your stores it seems to be a philosophy that's working for you empower the 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 franchise owners the restaurant managers to do what they do best which is Mm -hmm. make great cinnamon buns and hire amazing people uh, to do that and let the marketing and communications and storytelling professionals kind of do the same. You did mention an interesting part that it kind of straddles that fence and that is the social customer care, the great guest relations. And, and when you deal with, with guests who are either you know, complimenting the brand or, or have an issue, talk a little bit about how that process comes through. I've had a, let's just say an unfortunate experience at a Cinnabon. I tweet it. How does that get routed and resolved inside of your organization and then get actually to that person at at the store level? Yeah, because as you said, we, we do want to empower our franchisees to run their business. And so while we facilitate and get that information back to the franchisees, it's still in their hands to make sure that they're recovering that guest and providing that level of service that they're known for. So that way that guest continues to come into their doors. So we, uh, if someone tweets on social, they had 
a bad role, a bad experience, whatever it may be. We have uh, our team, we have an agency that we use, a community management agency that will filter that request. We then, if you were to go into Cinnabon.com and fill out the contact us form and leave a complaint, we go through that same system on the back end to process that guest recovery issue and need. And that gets sent directly to the franchisee, their store level team, and they're getting flagged on that every single day that it hasn't been responded to. And so we're able to monitor and make sure that these uh, guest relations issues are handled and taken care of. So again, we're putting that, the onus of owning their business back on the franchisees. It's it's their business to run and own and make sure that their guests are truly taken care of by them. But we're ensuring that they're getting um, and are aware of any potential issues that might've happened during someone's uh, visit to the bakery. Marissa Sharpless, Senior Manager of Public Relations and Social Media for Cinnabon is our guest this week on the show. Marissa, let's let's look at it from the opposite perspective, from the customer acquisition standpoint. Uh, how does your organization look at social? Is it a foot traffic driver? Is it a um, frequency booster? Is it an advocacy creator? What, what is sort of the, the role of social in terms of making uh, money at the, at the individual store level? Uh, all of the above, <laughs> everything, you know, every um, tactic that we have will obviously have a different goal. But with Cinnabon, knowing that we have such a strong and passionate fan base, and we are also very fortunate to be more than just a cinnamon roll brand. We have this magic where we're woven into pop culture and lifestyle uh, People who may not have ever visited Cinnabon and had a cinnamon roll follow us, love us, engage with us. So we're tapping totally different segments and different groups, um, and we always want to make sure we're talking to them. So we will have content that is just brand building and just letting, making sure people who have never experienced us still know who we are as a brand. Uh, we also have our traffic driving content. So it's talking about our new LTOs. It's, um, you know, flagging an experience an upcoming promotion that's happening in our bakery. Uh, obviously the, the big conversation that happens out in the world is, you know, what's happening with mall businesses. So we know we already have a very large barrier of entry when it comes to being in a mall. Not many people may be going into the mall anymore. And so we don't necessarily think that we're going to have stop someone in mid scroll of their Instagram feed, get them to stop what they're doing, drive to a mall, find where they're going to park at in order to easiest access our Cinnabon so they can get in, grab their Cinnabon and get out. Um, we know that that's a big hurdle. That doesn't mean we're not trying to still talk to them and let it, let them know that when you are at a mall or when you're near a mall, we want to be your first choice treat. We know we're not necessarily going to be um, what you're stopping, what you're doing, but when you are there and when you are thinking of something, we want you to think of us. So yes, traffic driving, um, it, just standard brand building, brand love, letting, making sure our, our guests some fans know what we stand for. Um, you know, social is the only place that we make any paid spend, any advertising. It's only done in the social and digital space. So for us, it, there is very much a business component that it is having to tie back to store visits, to that traffic, to sales. Um, and so as we start to build more of our social presence, we really only started heavily getting into paid social um, maybe about two years ago. And so it's still very much a test and learn component to us. Where do we drop the dollars? Where is it going to build the business as well as uh, build that brand love? So definitely still playing around with everything, but I feel like we're, uh, we're definitely making some good headway in, in ensuring that we're growing our, our fan base and, and our business. 
I think everybody who's ever had a Cinnabon or been in the vicinity of a Cinnabon knows that it is downwind from a downwind. No, but, but it's a very visual product, right? Is it is a uh, it is a cacophony of of, uh, of icing, and and consequently, a lot of what you do in social is is photo driven, right? It is it is cinnamon bun pornography in in all for all intents and purposes. How often is is that user generated or, or how much UGC do you sort of tap into? And, uh, and and I know a lot of it occurs naturally, people just snap a photo of their cinnamon because they can't believe how big and beautiful and shiny and delicious it looks the same way that people take photos of their Starbucks cups, etc. Uh, how much are you egging that on or, or making UGC sort of part and parcel of your routine storytelling? As, as much as we can use it, we we do. Um, we are, as, as much as you would think that UGC is everywhere for us, we have some pretty high standards of what we want to showcase to fans or, you know, people who've never visited us or just stumble across a feed that just blows up and you're seeing it in your discovery, you know, tab on your Instagram. Um, a cinnamon roll can go from absolutely delicious, craveable, oh my God, I want that, to what is that on that plate? Um, so we have pretty high standards as to what roles and what the product looks like that we share out. Um, we also go through these lovely things called brand repositioning, where you launch a new logo. And so we also are limited to uh, what logos we want to keep out there in the world. So we tried any, any you know bakery that hasn't necessarily transitioned over their signage or some of the old packaging that has old logos on there, we just choose to not utilize and showcase that material. So um, I will say on the flip side, we are very fortunate in that we are an international business. So we get some amazing photos from some of our international fans that feature products that we don't have domestically that allow us to tell that global story and really showcase our um, our, the Cinnabon around the world. So we do have some amazing UGC that comes through, but we do have some pretty high standards as to what we feature. Marissa Sharpless, uh, Senior Manager of Social Media and PR for Cinnabon. I would be uh, derelict in my duty if I didn't bring up, speaking of UGC and product positioning, and I know this came before your time, but Breaking Bad. Yes. And its association with, uh, with, with your brand. Curious, uh, again, this is probably going to be hearsay, but uh, was this an opportunity for your brand? Uh, was it something that your brand kind of stood away from, both in traditional as well as social media? And do you still see any kind of repercussions as that show continues to kind of live over and over and over in both syndication and things like Netflix and Hulu? I mean, um, Better Call Saul is an active and amazing partnership for us that we are actively involved in. Um, We, you know, we made the choice when the mention was made to respond via social and to just very subtly send a tweet that linked to a um, an application for for jobs with with Cinnabon. So um, it was definitely kind of like a quick powwow, like do we want to do this? Like what, what are the pros? What are the cons? How, how are our fan base going to react? So we, it was definitely something thought through um, that was, you know, before my time, but it was knowing the, again, the magic that we have and being lucky to be involved in pop culture. It was also something that just felt so right for our brand to respond to and be involved with. So um, 
it is, it's been amazing for us. And it's again, one that's just lightning in a bottle that we're so lucky to stumble upon. So it's, uh, it's been, it's been great. I mean, the fans love it. The fa- everyone looks forward to, you know, is, is Cinnabon going to be in this? And we take advantage of that as well. We usually do a promotional offer in our bakeries when every season launches. So um, it's, it's been great for us. It, it was definitely, again, you pause, you stop, you make sure, make sure it feels like it fits with the brand and, and it made sense for us. If you haven't seen, sorry about that. I got, I got better call Saul and uh, breaking bad mixed up there. <laughs> happens all the time. I'm sure if you haven't seen it, better call Saul and the routine, uh, Cinnabon references, uh, Flashback. Saul, uh, works in a Cinnabon and from time to time in the show, you gotta check that out. It's truly amazing. Marissa, you mentioned Twitter and how you sort of sent a tweet when you were first referenced in the show and that kind of spurned a more formalized relationship. I also noticed that you're doing these new, I think relatively new, hashtag sweet talk Twitter chats, sort of this idea of life needs frosting. Can you talk a little bit about that, about that strategy and how it plays out? Yeah, so I mean, we, we've definitely been been doing them for a little while and it's it's our weekly way to create a community and to be a part of them in a way that has nothing to do with with our product and with our, our bakeries. We use social listening and we use a lot of the platforms, um, the analytics platforms to see what what does our audience care about? What topics, what um, areas of life, what, what, what are they, what do they care about? What do they want to hear? And we craft a weekly one hour Twitter chat that gets our fans involved to talking about the things that they love. Uh, we will subtly weave in a product mention. If, you know, for example, today we were talking about summer getaways. And so uh, while the entire conversation has nothing to do with our product, we sent out one tweet within the, one broadcast tweet in the middle of that, that talks about, if you're on a summer road trip, we just launched a brand new cookie frosting sandwich um, with Pilot Flying J, which is a, you know, a, a travel and entertainment spot that people stop at on their road trip. So very natural. It fits in with the conversations. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's our chance to connect with our fans and with our audience and have them tell us a little bit more about their life. And it gives us insight into, you know, what they want, what they like, and potentially even it gives us just more insights on how we craft our brand moving forward. So it gives us a chance to just show that, you know, this isn't just about, um, you know, selling you a product, getting you into our bakery. We really do care about our community because they play such a huge role in, in the relevance factor that we have. Marissa, I'm curious. Uh, I love I love the idea of, of what you're doing with 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 those those events. Have you found, and this might be just a, a gut check, that by participating in those events, getting that engagement very high between brand and your and your guests during those one hour segments, is that doing anything to impact the algorithm of the efficacy of your posts, both paid as well as unpaid, during the other points of the week? Yeah, I mean, we we will have definitely seen that in certain Twitter chats where we hit a topic that is like it, it is buzzing with the community. We don't know it going in, but we see it pop. It jumps us up and we hit we, we slightly jump up in that engagement rate and we don't come down from it. So we can see like we're kind of stair stepping up when we find those magical topics or there is something that, you know, a if we ask someone what is their, you know, their summer song for 2019 and they happen to tag um, some major pop group and the fan base is insane and the fan base goes crazy. And now they, they see that we care about what they care about. Now they're becoming fans of us and actually dri- it's actually driving visits to our bakery as well. So it, it isn't necessarily done to solely drive 
keep, you know, keep growing our engagement rate. It's not done with that purpose, but we have seen that when we really hit on topics that buzz within our community, we start seeing that little stair step increase within our overall engagement rates and, um, and the success or any KPIs that we're looking at. No, it's, it's, it's a win. It's a win, win, win. Exactly. <laughs> Marissa, one of the things that we're seeing more and more now is is brands um, taking a very specific point of view. You talked about when you can associate with uh, a musical artist that has a lot of fans, et cetera. We're starting to see brands kind of take a stand, if you will. Uh, you certainly saw the, the the Nike scenario with Colin Kaepernick um, and, and brands, especially in food. You see Wendy's with uh, their very snarky Twitter account, for example, uh, and saying, you know what, we don't want to reach everybody. We want to reach a, a portion of everybody and be disproportionately resonant for that portion in some way. Is that something that you can ever envision Cinnabon doing, saying these are our people, uh, or is that just not part of the brand uh, at this point? I mean, never say never. You, you know, we'd like to think that um, our we, we absolutely care about the important components in life that our guests and our fans want us to take a stand on. Uh, but at the same time, we also like to have our position be more about, um, you know, the sweet things in life, the life, like we said, our, our, one of our sayings, life needs frosting. It's all about what brings that positivity to life and what makes life special, finding those special moments, finding those moments of bliss, just, you know, no matter what it is, it's not necessarily about eating a cinnamon roll. That's giving you that little moment of escape. It's about all of the things in life, like stop, like life is crazy. Um, and things are going on around in the world. Take the time to step back, and enjoy the sweeter things in life. And so we, we try to, to position ourselves more as recognizing um, what brings that happiness, that bliss, that frosting to life, as opposed to taking a stand against anything that's on, on the negative side. If you had to pick just one social platform, like, okay, for whatever reason, we have to do 100% of everything on this platform, uh, which one would you pick? Oh my gosh, that's so hard for us. Um, you know, there's, there is no denying the engagement that we get on, on Twitter. And there's no denying the connection that we have with our fans there. Uh, but at the same time, like we are just such a visual product. Like you see that cinnamon roll and you, you know, it instantly triggers, oh my gosh, I want that. Um, and we've done a great job of at least being able to, if you don't have a bakery nearby us, we have our, our channels and licensing partners that have a taste of Cinnabon. You might not get that cinnamon roll, but you can go and get that cured K-cup of that cinnamon, Cinnabon flavor. Um, so, oh gosh, I, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's so hard to say. Um, I, I don't think I can pick. <laughs> you, you would say Twitter or, or Instagram? Would that be sort of yes, your- Yes, yes, definitely Twitter and Instagram are, are our top two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Marissa, I was gonna ask you the exact same question that Jay asked, uh, which is a great one. So I'm gonna ask it slightly differently. And, and, I, and I, I, I agree, I think you even told us in the pre-show that Twitter for you is all about your engagement uh, with your customer and Instagram is all about the crave. And I think you articulated it perfectly uh, when you talk about the, uh, the visual. My question for you is, is, is this a little bit about timing and the maturity of these social platforms? If we were sitting here, you know, recording this in July of 2020, yeah. Do you think that you would feel a little bit differently? I mean, as Instagram perhaps becomes more of an engagement channel and, and other things happen, are you going to start to lead that way? Or is this, this is pretty firm in terms of the Twitter and the Instagram and how you're leveraging both platforms? 
Yeah, I think I think they're all good. they are, are going to continue to have their place. I don't I don't see them necessarily going anywhere. I think the weight might shift. Um, you know, when I when we first came into social media and I was working, you know, on the brand side um, and launching pages, you know, I would have never thought that you know Twitter would have have gone in the direction that it has. I would never have thought that Instagram would have blown up the way that it has. Um, and so I think as the platforms start to evolve and have more layers within them, you know, you have um, IGTV, you have, you know, stories that have just become so incredibly popular on the Instagram channel. Um, it's, I could easily see it start to shift and go in a different direction. Um, if, if we're able to find that perfect melding of the crave and engagement. I mean, that is like a, a win-win for us for sure. So I welcome either platform to step up to the challenge and make it a little bit easier for us. <laughs> I worked at McDonald's uh, in high school as a kid. That was my first job at McDonald's. And I'm glad, I'm glad I worked there. It was a great, uh, great learning lesson. Uh, but after working there for a couple of years, I had to take a little break. I had to, I had to, I had to put the pause on, on going to McDonald's. I got a little too close to it. So as, as a, a college athlete, you played softball at university of North Carolina, go Tar Heels. Go Heels. Um, although I think you're from Phoenix originally. Isn't that true? I am. Yes. Yeah. I, I lived there for a long time. My wife's also from Phoenix. Um, I mean, Cinnabon, not really a locale food. I think that's safe to say. Uh, and, and as a, an athlete and as somebody who is now around Cinnabon all the time, like, do you guys have them in the office? Is it like, are there Cinnabon carts like at every corner? And, and you know, are you just like besieged by that Cinnabon smell or like, what's your relationship with the Cinnabon today? Yes. So in our building, the first floor is our R&D kitchen. So every brand has a kitchen and our chefs are in there cooking up delicious products all day, every day. So you walk into the building and you are pretty much instantly hit with the smell of Cinnabon, um, as well as our, our other lovely brands. You know, you get a little bit of um, some bread toasting. You get the, the our Mexican food with the um, Mo's. So you definitely have a, has a distinct flavor uh, scent as well. That's, that's. Yes. Yes. So our Annie Ann's team is the only brand that's not based here. They've, they've held their roots and they're up in Lancaster. Um, but yes, you constantly get the smell. You will come out to our kitchen areas on each floor and there will randomly just be a baking tray of cinnamon rolls or, you know, something else that one of the, the um, chefs have been testing. Our amazing chef for Carvel will be walking around saying, I, can you just taste this flavor real quick? I need to know if this works. Um, so <laughs> we, to say we have product available to us would be an understatement. Um, so you, I mean, you have to, you have to try the product. You have to make sure that we are maintaining our standards. And when I travel, if I ever see a cinnamon roll on a menu, I, I have to do it. I have to check out the competition and make sure that we are <laughs> keeping up with everybody else. So, um, it's definitely, uh, something that we get to enjoy frequently. <laughs> Yeah. You know, we can write, Jay, you know, we can write off things from an expense standpoint, you know, when we're traveling or doing yeah. business R and D, yeah. can, can we, can you write off calories? Is that you should write off cinnamon rolls. Marissa can sure. for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Taking applications now for everybody who wants to uh, eat free food. Go ahead, Adam. 
Oh no, that was that that, that was it for me. That was just that was fantastic. <laughs> one 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 last one last question for you, Marissa. It's something we talked a little bit about earlier, but you talked about sales attribution and and how you're looking at your paid activities. My last question for you is, how, how are you showing sales attribution? Are you getting accurate data from the locations so that you can begin to show that correlation or causation from okay, we ran this this social campaign and then we saw uh, an uptick in in this particular part of the country. Yeah, so that is one part that we are definitely working through right now. Obviously, being in a mall, we come into some issues with being able to directly attribute it to going right to our bakery. Uh, when you get into, uh, you know, multiple stories of a building, it's very hard to make sure that that traffic went straight into our bakery after seeing a digital banner ad with an app that they're frequently using. So um, we are doing the best we can and uh, hoping that, you know, with new platforms and as everything evolves, that it becomes more precise. So we're getting our data from that. Um, at the end of last year, we also ventured into having an official catering platform. And so through online ordering, we're able to track uh, our catering orders through those social ads. Um, and then, uh, you know, it, other than that, it's, it's really just more of a, awareness or it's uh, a couple layers higher in the funnel that we're hopefully getting um, a better sense of whether or not people are taking action on uh, on purchasing a product after they see our, our social ads. Marissa, are the activities that you're doing with that catering company, are those kind of co-op dollars? Are you going in there along with that, with that app or that catering company together? Or is this something that you're doing kind of exclusively with, with, with your budgets? Yep. So we, we're making the purchase on a national level targeted to all of our bakeries that are participating within our catering program. And then our, um, our, our, main, our main presence is with Easy Cater, which uh, they will occasionally go in on us with sponsoring, uh, you know, dollars off of promotions or offering other ways to um, boost our, our presence within the platform. So there are certain times where we kind of go hand in hand, much like you'll see many brands go hand in hand with third party delivery partners where they'll take care of a delivery if the brand is doing, you know, X amount of free product giveaway, um, like a lot of brands are doing. So uh, a little bit of both, but the majority of our ad spend is uh, done on a, on a national level on behalf of our system. Marissa Sharpless, Senior Manager, PR and Social Media at Cinnabon, the official Cinnamon Roll of the Social Pros Podcast, yeah. uh, joins us this week on the show. Marissa, we're going to ask you the two questions we've asked all of our guests here uh, on, on many, many hundreds of, of weeks of doing this uh, podcast. First one is, what one tip would you give somebody who's looking to become a social pro? Um, I would definitely say to not... Um, it, it, Sounds contrary to a lot of the way that things are working, but um, don't focus so much on the KPIs. KPIs are obviously a necessary part of everything that we're doing. Social is becoming something that is driving the business, but the ability to storytell and connect one-on-one -on -one with your guests, that no matter how small of a following, no matter how few of a, a small of a community, that impact can be so huge for your brand. You can start to make waves that resonate out outside of that community. You're creating advocates as opposed to just fans. You know, likes are great, comments are great, but true advocacy, um, that's what you want to harness around that community and showing that you care and that you are involved with them and that you are one of them. You are not just speaking at them. Um, you can't overlook that. I love that answer. That's one of the best ones we've had in a long time. Well done. Well said. Sweet. Last question for Marissa. If you could do a video call 
with any living person, who would it be? Oh, wait, they have to be living? Yeah, did I not mention that earlier? Because we you we didn't say Walt that Disney. earlier. <laughs> we're going to go Walt Disney? <laughs> That's what I was going to go with. Oh, I knew it. I <laughs> <laughs> from me. The OG storyteller. That's my That's guy. Sure. That's, okay. That's who I'm going to chat with. <laughs> Oh my gosh, living? You know, you just completely threw me for a loop now. Um, I think uh, kind of harnessing back to my um, my prior life in entertainment PR, um, director Ava DuVernay is just so incredibly amazing. I had the chance to work with her um, or, or, you know, work on behalf of her projects and her ability to tell impactful and emotional stories while also continuously driving through a message that isn't um, hammering it over your head, but it is, it is, it comes across in every single um, story that she tells is it's amazing. And it's incredible. I think she's truly one of the um, most effective directors that we have seen in recent days. And so I think just getting to chat with her and understanding how she pulls everything together, how she is able to see a story that many people may not see and how she can truly tell it in a way that gets across to so many different groups and demographics is pretty amazing. Good choice. We'll link it up in the show notes at socialpros.com. Friends, a reminder that every single episode is located at socialpros.com. Transcripts, links, um, all kinds of special stuff, all of it is there. Also, if you haven't had a chance to leave us a rating or review on the places that you listen to your podcast, we would sure appreciate that as well. Marissa, thank you very, very much for taking the time. Congratulations on all the success uh, at Cinnabon and, uh, and, and best of luck to all the focus brands as well. Thank you so much. It was great chatting, guys. We'll be in Atlanta. Uh, you'll see Adam and I in the lobby. Uh, Adam uh, you know, knows a little about Atlanta, so do I. We'll just be kind of wandering around sampling stuff off platters, and, and you'll know it's us. You let yeah, us know, and we'll be here, and we'll have the spread ready. We'll have the windows <laughs> of the car down, just smelling the, uh, <laughs> the food labs there. Remember, friends, life needs frosting. That's the uh, theme for this week's episode. Thanks so much to Marissa, and thanks to each and every one of you uh, for listening as well. I'm Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. He's Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud. This has been, hopefully, your favorite podcast in the whole world. Stay sweet, my friends. We'll see you next week here on Social Pros. Social Pros.